five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Um, if you're listening in the morning, uh, Billy Garish, pillar of community today. We have um, an awesome guy, an awesome friend that goes way back, um, Guido Adelfio. So welcome, Guido. Good morning, Billy. Um, Guido is uh, at Bethesda Travel, Bethesda, across from the old, where the old McDonald's is, which I lament. I used to love picking up a little breakfast sandwich there. But anyway. Uh, Bethesda Travel, 60 years will be celebrated in December. December of 1961, John Kennedy was president. Unbelievable. It was a time of great hope, and my parents started the business. My, I was about six, and my father came in and sat down on the bed. I shared the room with my brother, Yeah. and he said, I'm starting my own business. Well, I was six years old. I was a little kid. I didn't know what it meant. Well, now we've worked there for 43 years, and I kind of am starting to figure out what it all meant. <laughs> Life begins at, at 65, right? That's it. <laughs> um, and so your, your, your parents were, uh, they came over from Italy, correct? My mother's or, American. Your mother's American. Uh, your dad was born in Capri. No, he was born in Palermo in Palermo, Sicily. I'm sorry. But and, okay. and they met in Capri. They met in Capri, and you were born on Sicily. I was, uh, they uh, met in Capri, they married here, went back to Italy, I was born, stayed about 18 months or so, then came to Canada, mm-hmm. Montreal, my yeah. father got a master's degree at McGill University, and then came to Maryland, which is where my mother was from, and we lived in the house next door to my grandparents, on Route 108 in Sandy Spring, and then they started the business in 61. And by 68, we moved to Chevy Chase. So I basically grew up in Chevy Chase. Uh, and that's your client base. You know, everyone in this area, a lot of people know the name Guido Delfio for good reason. My Even my sister worked with you right after. That's right, Linda. Linda, Linda Lynch um, worked with you right out of college after you planned a magnificent trip for us to Europe. That's it. I, that good. was uh, about 20 years ago, I think. That's, that's about right. About on the dot. I think it was like, yeah. Um but so your parent, what got what do you think got your dad into this idea of I'm going to start a business? Well, before that, it comes the travel part. Okay. So my father grew up in Sicily. This was the 30s. He was born in 29. So in the 30s, that was Mussolini, was fascism, the Germans, a whole deal. World War II, and his uncles ran until the deep war years when they had to close it and they reopened after the war. They ran a shipping business in Palermo. Palermo's a harbor. And this is interesting. There's the importance of uh, widening your perspective because mm-hmm. his uncles used to, he was eight, nine years old, and they would get stamps from all over the world, from Finland, Sri Lanka, from Brazil. And in those days, the stamps were very decorative. So they would bring him the stamps from the envelope of letters they received from correspondents. And then they would pull out the atlas or go in the globe, which I see you have one on your desk, and find Finland or find Brazil or find... And that was very formative for him. And it made him realize there's a world outside of this little uh, island of Sicily, which isn't that little. It's the size of Vermont, but it was in the day very isolated, no no flights or anything. And then 
he went in the Italian Air Force, and he volunteered for training duty in Canada. So he got to see the United States, got to see Canada. We still have pictures from when he when he was in um, training in Centralia, Ontario. And then he went back to Italy, he was finishing law school. And my mother, who's from Maryland, she graduated from Wellesley College. And she and a friend were going to do the Paris thing. So they were on a boat going to France. In those days, the boats made multiple stops. This was, I think, 1948 or 49. And then my father and a friend were on vacation from law school. And they just happened to be in Capri on the same day. Hmm. Unbelievable. <laughs> and the bells rang when Ser- I said that. And, and the bells rang because there was romance and the church bells, the serendipity, and you know, <laughs> life is funny. Love is even funnier. Yes, it is. You know. Um, so what I like to say is no Capri, no Guido, no Capri. So I love uh-huh. Capri. I guess it's a special spot in your heart, I'm sure. So your your father was schooled in. So he went to Miguel University for law. McGill University got an LLM, Master's in Law. In the day, it was called Admiralty Law, which was basically um, aviation law yeah. about um, cargoes, responsibilities, passenger rights, all of that. And then he worked for a time in a law firm, and then he worked for Air France. Mm-hmm. And then in 61, he said, I'm tired of working for someone else. I'd like to work for myself. And they started the business on December 3rd of 1961. Interesting. So it was, it was always kind of, from a legal standpoint, around the idea of travel. Well, the, the yeah, the legal, but the legal is very helpful when you're in a small business. To saying. have that background is a huge, huge uh, plus. It makes, so it makes a lot of sense. To, like, I, I think I can do this. I see a niche yes. in Bethesda. I think I can do this um, on my own. And have fun doing it. And we did. So you started working with him what age? I was 23. Oh, my gosh. And you, you and your father had a, a good relationship. Uh, Most of the time. <laughs> but you see, um, he had his way of doing things, and I was trying to innovate, to modernize. Right. And then he would uh, try to slow me down, and I was trying to go faster. Right. But I mean, um, it's a good one-two punch. You, talk, yeah, you if, talked earlier about, you know, if you see an old person just by himself, or a young person just by himself, there it's a missed opportunity. Absolutely true. In other words, I have a gentleman, he works where he's my right hand man. He's 23. I learned so much from him, <laughs> surpassed only by what he learns from me. It's a fantastic <laughs> synergy. And I recommend to everyone, surround yourself with people who aren't just your same age, because you can pass along information and technique and method that helps both of you. And it, it, it enriches, yes, it advances you. Um, business, but it really enriches your life. Positively. Uh, positively. And then we talked about that relation to travel, um, to see different cultures, to, to be around the people doing things differently. Um, it's, a, it's a life well lived. Um, well, Billy, there's, um, there's a quote, and I think Rick Steve is the one who really made it mainstream, yeah, yeah. And it's, but he didn't make it up. Someone else made it up and told him. And it goes like this. There isn't only one way to do things. If you think about it, one-third of the world's population eats with a knife and fork. One-third eats with chopsticks, and one-third eats with their hands. There isn't just one way to eat. And if we go, if we experience, if we try new things, see different ways of doing things, it enriches everyone because you come back with a new appreciation for other ways of living. gives you perspective on how you yourself live. It opens your mind. Positively, yes. Um, that's uh, that's 
through I talked a little bit about St. John's College and about their sort of deal is philosophy and the great books and conversation. They firmly believe that there is no one way to think about a book. Um, you might be able to type in uh, Aristotle and you get basically his um, general um, philosophy, but it can be interpreted a lot of different ways. No know? question. And, and our, one last point in our conversation, in our seminars, the tutors are the teachers are called tutors. There's no lecture. It allows for every brain to be open to their own uh, interpretation and letting that um, thinker speak to to him or her. It's critical thinking. It's critical thinking. It's, it's very they, very they, important. And they, I remember I, I have a lot of conversations with uh, people associated with the college, and it's like the only other thing that you could um, relate this sort of like conversational. Um, dialogue philosophy to would be uh, abroad travel no question because the, the end is the same idea yeah and the more you and you have to go with an open mind yeah and another thing i heard once was um i was in india and the driver told me this and it's very good you have to learn to travel so you can travel to learn it's that's a beautiful concept because i i know some clients of ours who don't really relish travel, getting to the airport is a schlep. They're yeah. worried about the seat and all this other stuff. Yeah. They haven't learned to travel. Yeah. Well, that's anxiety producing. They get there and they're looking for stuff that's like home. And I don't want to be judgmental, but that's a big mistake because when you go somewhere, you're going to find things different from home. Maybe people eat with their hands or with chopsticks, or maybe they use a knife and fork. But all of those things add to your own appreciation of how they live and in perspective, how you live as well. Yeah, 100% correct. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the business, you guys are open. We're open. Okay. I heard something that, <clears throat> that you were opening in May or something. Um, so, people are traveling again. No, <laughs> but we're open. No, well, yeah. what's, what's happening is um, we're... We're there. I mean, I have a reduced staff. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're just there. Instead of working, you know, five to nine, I'm now working nine to five because I work very hard, long hours. Also, to use the time zone to our advantage. Yeah. But now we're just kind of cruising through. We're doing a new format for our proposals, for our itineraries, updating everything. The things I learned from Linda, mm -hmm. your sister, mm -hmm. they were updating everything. We are staying in constant touch with our suppliers. Uh, they've been mostly frozen for more than a year now. It's very challenging for them. What are your suppliers? Uh, suppliers would be uh, transfer agents, local guides, mm -hmm. all over Europe, yeah. uh, people that charter boats, um, people that use car services, the hotel people, because, you know, we run a boutique-style business. So to me, my best uh, fit for my client is another boutique-style business. I understand. Uh, I don't like using, to me, chain is a four-letter word. Uh, there's some really good chain hotels. But you've lost the local, the beauty the of the local, the essence, the, the ability to absorb and get perspective and understand how other people live if you just go to a chain hotel. And it might be a great hotel. But to me, that's another little bit of a lost opportunity where you really could get a deeper engagement in the local culture yeah i um I, I 
pause a minute there. I was trying to think of something and I remembered it. Uh, what you're saying right, just right now. Um, a friend of mine, <clears throat> when he travels, he's like, the best way to, to understand the essence of an area is is to go either to a restaurant and to, and and try to have a conversation with um, people, just normal everyday people there, or go into the town square and just again try to strike up a conversation. Absolutely, yeah, and and yeah. not even in the main tourist cities to yeah. go to a city yeah. that maybe people haven't heard of. Correct. And um, I went into a restaurant in Milan once with my wife, who's yeah. American, yeah, and. They t- there's two rooms, the room for the Italians and the rooms for the visitors. And uh-huh. they take us to the room for the visitors. And we just turned around and walked out because it wasn't, there was, you lose the authenticity of that way. It's funny, like, uh, how much, even if you, let's say you walk into a party, back when there were parties, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you kind of... There will be again. Uh, there will be again, absolutely. And there will be lots of travel, maybe more than ever. You know, I think so. There's, there's a, a big explosion. I went I went for my annual physical, and the doctor told me, he said, Guido, you're going to be so busy. He said, all of my patients tell me, I didn't get a trip last year. This year, I'm taking 10 trips. <laughs> I mean, I, that might be the case. Uh, I think it, may, it might have, right now, it's starting with um, more uh, domestic travel, you know. Um, just this past week has been spring break, and I'm still very much associated with schools and stuff in the area and families. It's been even at Columbia. It's been like a ghost town over there. And this week is also kind of a spring break week of you see, I think, a spike in travel relative to other years, perhaps. Um, And I think that's only going to ramp up. And then the next I would think logically the next step would be international. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a couple of things are happening. One is um, you have to when you travel, you have to have a comfort level. Mm-hmm. You need peace, you need stability, you need security, yeah. emotional kind of being embraced. Yeah. You're not going to go somewhere that uh, has major problems or a war zone or something like that. You're yeah. not going to travel there. Right. This is leisure travel. It's about having the great experience. The other thing is in the planning process. So with COVID, that's shortened the, um, the planning time. Because I always thought that the ideal planning time, if someone asked me when should I book my trip, three to five months is kind of an ideal planning time. A little longer if you're using frequent flyer points for the flights. Mm-hmm. It gives you more more possibilities. Mm-hmm. Now with COVID, we're looking, I think, at three to five weeks, a much shorter time frame. I don't – it's already now uh, we're into April. Uh, I don't see Europe opening up fully at least until the second half of august august september october now our our travel pattern for our clients is extremely seasonal Mm -hmm. they kind of go you might track it with daylight savings time starts in march and april and it kind of ends in october Mm -hmm. with a little blip around christmas Mm -hmm. and we have a little bit of travel in february and march primarily and these are closed too uh, junior year abroad students and their parents and or grandparents, siblings, etc., like to visit them during their time in wherever it is, Barcelona, Paris, Florence, Rome, wherever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're really looking at the daylight savings time as when people travel for the type of travel we do, which is leisure travel. So we're hoping, hoping, hoping that end of August, September into October, we can pick up part of this current year season and then we'll be ready to go next year in march because yeah, any any other year right now you're in the thick of it right, right this now. this time of year any other year we're in the thick of it because 
um, March till October is when people travel. If you back up a three to five month planning time, this is peak, peak season for us in terms of the, the planning. It, and when they travel, it's the peak starts in June. Why is it uh, daylight savings time? Is it just more daylight? More daylight, um, better weather. Better weather. Yeah. Uh, a lot of places people go are very weather dependent. So if you take a city trip, if you go to Prague and Budapest and Rome and Florence and Venice and Paris, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. Right. But if you go to Tuscany, Umbria, uh, rural France, Normandy, mm-hmm. uh, parts of Scotland, you really want to be there in the summer because a lot of hotels just close for the season. So it would be like if you went to Maine. Yeah. You wouldn't go to Maine in February. No. But you would go to... You love really cold temperatures. <laughs> it's not that cold, but um, it can be cold. Yeah. But um, you would go to Maine in the summer. You've got long, long, lingering twilight, yeah. beautiful, beautiful um, days and evenings and the seasonal fresh food. There's so many, so many things. Sometimes people travel for a cultural reason. Opera festival. Mm-hmm. There's four major opera festivals in Italy. People love to go for that. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to be a big opera fan, but it, mm-hmm. it's a cultural opening. Mm-hmm. Another thing we often do is a trip on a theme. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I like to talk about the impressionist artists. Mm-hmm. You can learn so much from, about their art, the, the new technologies that were emerging in the 1800s. You can go to Giverny. I was there in September and see Monet's gardens. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're stepping into one of his paintings. Mm-hmm. The bridge at Arles, the, where the yellow house was for Van Gogh. And then you can go on and on and on with that. It's, it's, an, it's a good thing. What I'm getting at is to have a trip that has a purpose, that has mm-hmm. a theme, mm-hmm. makes it a better trip. Yeah. yeah I think I'm thinking back to our, when we went for that month-long trip in, uh, to Europe that you set up, there was a theme something to it it was very well made creatively done um and there can be multiple themes yeah 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 um depends where you're going people's interest because everyone in a family okay that's a family they all have a common interest but they also have uh separate interests mm-hmm. might be that they want to see a soccer game or they want to um uh, climb a mountain or do a hike or hear an opera or go to the great art museums or some of the secondary art museums are even more interesting if mm-hmm. you like art, like in um, following the trail of Giotto or, or Piero della Francesca. There's so many things you can do to embellish that. And that's what you call work. Yeah, you call it work. <laughs> and, I like uh, that line. Yeah. You, know, when you, you, you were just in Italy? I was there last fall, September, La- okay. August, September. Okay. Um, now, n- normally I go, not every month, but at least seven times a year I go to Europe. Wow. But now for a year and a half, I've only been once. And the only way I could get in was that I have a dual nationality. I have an Italian passport. Yeah. Um, so that let me in. But um, at the moment, you can't go to Canada. Right. So we're waiting for hopefully a really successful vaccine uh, program. They're coming out fast. They're coming seems, out seems fast. Uh, Europe's a little slower, but I think they'll catch up very quickly. And that's that's going to be key to have what, what I said before. People have comfort and confidence and be able to travel. Absolutely. Amen. Um, you have, you're 99 countries? Not 100? No, I'm not. I'm not. I think I'm, um, I think I'm at 85 on the 
short list. The long list, I'm at 100, but some of those count like Hawaii is a separate country. That's really not. Who keeps the list? You keep the list. Okay. Well, there's a there's an app called Bin, B-E-E-N. B-E-N. B-E-E-N. Okay. That uh, you can put on your phone, and then uh, you, you touch the countries you've been to, and it logs those. <laughs> Very good. Um, so you're... You want to get a hundred? Yeah, I'd love to. Well, well, you someone got, you're told get me. 100. I will. I will. Someone told me once, you should always have more countries than your age. Ah. Uh-huh. So we all have to get working on that. I got to get working. Yeah, on that. we all have you're, to get you're working. You're situated just fine. But <laughs> <laughs> me, on the other hand, I got some. I got some travel to do. Uh, maybe through Bethesda Travel. Let's tell, hope. Tell that um, s- s- quick story about Linda, uh, if you don't mind, that you told in the kitchen about how stepping out. Oh, yeah. Well, Linda, um, Billy's sister, Linda, lovely lady. Now she's married with two beautiful daughters. Beautiful. I think you did Henry uh, on the podcast. Yesterday. Yesterday. Yep. Henry Lynch. And so um, when um, Bill Sr., Bill Garrett Sr., took the family to Europe, on the way home, this might have even been the second trip. Mm-hmm. On the way home, Linda was just graduating from college. And so the conversation, I wasn't there, but I heard that the conversation was, what are you going to do now that you've graduated? And Bill told Linda, you love to travel. Why don't you call Guido and see if he has a job for you? Well, I obviously hired her on the spot, (laughs) and she was writing itineraries. And Linda is a very talented writer. And this was 20 years ago. And before that, we kind of wrote itineraries that, by current standards, were were very staid. They were kind of tried and true. Uh, this was just the beginning of word processing. We used to do them on a Selectric two with a self-correcting button, uh-huh. yeah, right. and it was a, a noisy process and a lot of work to write an itinerary. Yeah. But they came out very kind of standard language. Yeah. yeah. Well, Linda came in. And she was a breath of fresh air. <laughs> and she would write things like, step on out to see the Coliseum. Well, at the time, that was kind of radical. But it, it again, you learn from young people. And I learned how to make itineraries with a fresher approach, a more client-friendly approach, and not just something that was sort of uh, out of the box. Standard, it was freshly yeah. written each time, which is what people want. It was very personalized. Yeah, that's what so. You, thank you, Linda. <laughs> she Linda is a wonderful writer. Very, Absolutely, very, very creative. She, she is. She loves uh, mysteries. Mm-hmm. She's a, a, a voracious consumer of like Agatha Christie and some of that stuff. And she like, makes it look easy. You got to you got to write your she got to write your own mystery novel. You know, she, <laughs> she can do it. She's got a lot of uh, talent for sure. Um, so. The Rotary Club. You want to talk about that at all? Sure, sure. Yeah. I was involved for many years in Rotary in Bethesda. Yeah. Um, the first club was Bethesda Chevy Chase. Mm-hmm. And then with another gentleman named Scott Orbach, who's from Chevy Chase. Sadly, he passed away about eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Very young. Uh, he and I started a new club called Metro Bethesda Rotary, huh. which our idea was to have a little fresher look at things little younger vibe and a little, you might say, edgier type of club. And it was very successful. It now has 75 members, rapidly reaching 80. Maybe I'll have to check it out. Big success. Yeah. it's. Uh, do you know where the, 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 know where the term Rotary came from? I did some research into it. Oh, with Paul Harris? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's Paul Harris and the, uh, three of his, or two of his buddies. Exactly right. In Chicago. 
in Chicago. I think it was 1905 or Something 1906. Like and they would rotate to their different uh, houses or offices. Yeah, to have a meeting in different places, and they called it Rotary. Exactly. And, and then that, that name stuck. Too popular, and they had a central location for their meetings. And, but uh, the name stuck because... The name stuck. And it became the symbol is a gear, yeah. which which turns, which in that day was the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. The turning gear made everything work. Absolutely. Uh, cogs in a wheel. Um, and then you guys do work in the community, right? There's some, uh, well, the, the main things at Rotary are fellowship. Yeah. And then uh, types of service. Club service, helping out the club community service, which is projects, could be international or local community. And um, they vary enormously, as well as what they call vocational service, which is understanding about the workplace and workplace issues and ethical issues. And it's a huge international source for scholarships as well. It's not really associated with that, but Rotary funds a lot of international scholarship for postgraduate. Yeah, it's um, 1.2 million members worldwide. Correct. Yeah. And it's international. Yeah, it has definitely has an international. And and now event. Rotary used to be a meeting at a place. Now they're doing it like everyone else, all virtual. So mm-hmm. it's giving it even. It, at first, you say, "What what's this virtual thing?" But then you realize it gives you more there, reach. There are perks. There are some perks to it. You might lose the 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 genuine feel of person to person interaction. It will be back. It'll be back. But. The Zoom, like I was saying, I don't even know what Zoom was about a year ago. No one did. Nobody did. Um, and now it's like such to- uh, common nomenclature. Um, and it, uh, I, I see the future having a, a hybrid of of the Zoom. You're exactly right. And and there's nothing to replace person to person. But um, the the idea of Zoom and how com- much how commonplace it's become. Has allowed for no matter where you are, just got to have internet and we're talking, and a screen, and a screen, which everyone has screens everywhere they look. Exactly, so. exactly right. But you, know? you could have a meeting, let's say in a restaurant with a widescreen TV with the internet access, and put the people who aren't in attendance on Zoom on the screen. Correct. You hear them; they hear you. It's it's a great, like you said, a hybrid. Yeah, it's a great tool to have, you know, the quiver. Uh, but you, you just quick anecdote about you. Uh, you said right before the show. You said you like to walk five around five miles a day. I try to. That's unbelievable. No matter the weather or whatever. Uh, by and large, yeah, bundle up and go. Yeah. Um, and you pick up trash as you go. Sometimes. <laughs> no, it really bothers me when there's bottles and trash, so I pick yeah, them up. Community, you are you act on the the philosophy of the Rotary Club, which is helping philanthropy and stuff like that. Um, where do you walk? Uh, I live in Norbeck, uh, part of Rockville, where yeah. we're twenty eight and. 97 cross yeah and so i have a route that i figured out through brook manor and um walk around, around your, there your, your neighborhood yeah and, and i'm kind of habitual i pretty much do the same walk but sometimes yeah. if i have something in the evening i'll go out at lunchtime in bethesda and walk around bethesda yeah i love walking i mean do you have any dogs no <laughs> um, with my travel schedule it's hard. it would, it would not be, be fair to the dog it would not be fair to the dog is right um so bethesda travel um is back i was i was running i was like what if they, they had the name bethesda travels like <laughs> like the city <laughs> travels you know I was like, I well know. one of one of the things i've been thinking about uh very candidly during this this yes. covid time is whether to rebrand the business interesting and but i love the name bethesda and yeah. uh it, it associates with the community again we were kind of um been a 
locally owned, locally run business for almost 60 years. And a lot of our client base is Bethesda, Kensington, Potomac, Vienna, Falls Church, D.C., um, parts of Silver Spring, etc. But I also have clients all over the country. There's a little nest of clients in Pueblo, Colorado, of all places. That? Oh, my God. And Florida, Carolina, people that uh, worked here, retired, moved away, stayed in touch, refer their friends, etc. So even parts of New England, New York, we have um, a nice, nice, strong client base. That's a beautiful thing about, we talked earlier about, um, you know, uh, being real with people. and That's the key to business, the key to success in life, but also in business, is is person to person connection. Billy, people do business with whom? People they know. They know. People they, they like. People yeah. they trust. Mm-hmm. And if you can get to know people and like them, and they like you, and create trust, that's a big first step. I mean, that's an, uh, almost required. You know, yeah, yeah, it's a huge I mean, first go, step. That's a that's a great honest the honesty of business. I mean, if you don't have that, you better work on it or try to, or do something else and go go into business with for for somebody, not on your own. Uh, business is very like entrepreneurship and small business. It's very truthful in that regard. No question. But know? the trust part, I mean, that happens. That's with Google. Yeah, it's with Tesla. It's with Microsoft. Mm-hmm. It's with all the airlines. It's all the hotels, every yeah. even very very large businesses. Yeah. If there isn't trust, everything breaks down. I hundred hundred percent. You like Tesla? I, I have a Mercedes. I saw the Mercedes. Uh, have you seen the the specs for the Cyber Truck? I, I saw a picture of it. It's beautiful. I, I put money down for it. <laughs> 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 to be in line to get it, it uh, you got to put a hundred dollars down, which is refundable. But uh, I'm in line. I'm in. Okay. I'm in the queue. You'll take me for a ride. <laughs> I would love to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be driving because it might just drive itself. But <laughs> it looks so cool, you know. Anyway, um, maybe. We'll, and I, I watched. Uh, I did a little uh, research on Van Gogh. Uh huh. You know, is that one of your favorite painter? I love artists? impressionist art. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Why? It's. Um, it was a new paradigm. In other words, Van Gogh was the was like Aerosmith yeah. in the day. Yeah. Uh, same with Giotto. Giotto in the, in the 13th century, it was like Aerosmith. It was a rock and roll star. Yeah. It changed everything. Yeah. And the thing people don't always realize about Impressionists, because we're looking back in a prism of 120, 130 years, a couple of things happened all at once to make it come to what, what we recognize yeah. today. One, because those guys, Van Gogh only sold one painting. He couldn't afford to buy paint or brushes. So it wasn't appreciated at the time until later. And now, you know, if you if you have a Van Gogh, hang on to it. Yeah. But um, what, what happened was you had the advent of photography. Yeah. You had the advent of the opening up of Japan. Yeah. New style of art that no one even had imagined. And believe it or not, one of the critical elements of Impressionist painting was a new technology, which we laugh at today, but it was paint that came in little tubes. Huh. They never had that before. You have to make your own paint? You had to make your own paint, yeah, and yeah. you had to do it indoors mineral, in a studio. Yeah. 
Whereas with the tubes, you could go outside, be on location, make an easel, um, make a palette and put all the colors, mix them together, come out with the color you want and put it on the, on the canvas. <clears throat> well, that changed everything. Yeah. And, and the, the existing culture of art was not ready for that. Mm-hmm. In fact, the name impressionist, that was a pejorative term. And then the Impressionists adopted it themselves to describe themselves, and it became something we know today as a very, very beautiful uh, page in the history of art. And by the way, if you like Impressionist art, I can highly recommend a trip just up 95 to Philadelphia to visit the Barnes Collection, which has just a phenomenal uh, collection of Impressionist art, among other things, the Barnes Collection. And if you go there, there are no legends on the paintings. My recommendation, book the tour with a docent that takes you around and explains what the collector was doing. Absolutely. It's very... I, I, think we're, I think we're live. Are we on good <laughs> levels? Yeah, we're good levels. We had a little technical difficulty. Back with Guido. Um, talking about travel and, and uh, reasons to go and ha- making your trip as rich as possible. That's it? Yeah. It's all right there. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Well, yeah. well, what we try to do, we try to understand our clients. Yes. Like you said, person we have the conversation. Yes. And I don't really set a clock. Right. I, I ask open-ended questions. Yes. I listen very carefully to the answer. Yes. And I try to understand who's traveling, what's the reason for traveling. I like to say the purpose of the trip. And then I try to craft a unique itinerary, uniquely tailored for that client with those goals in mind. And we were talking before, very often um, just a a simple target that you can have a purpose on is Mm -hmm. Impressionist art. Yeah. Impressionist art is fantastic. There's a technological part, there's an artistic part, there's the uh, changing world when Japan opened up in the 1850s with Admiral Perry and exposed people in Europe to a new type of art they had never seen before. Mm -hmm. It was as radical as uh, Aerosmith Mm -hmm. and rock and roll music. I mean, it was that radical. And if you do a little background, so let's say you're planning a trip to France. We'll go to Philadelphia. Believe it or not, Philadelphia has some of the best Impressionist art anywhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, Williams College in Massachusetts. Yeah. Baltimore, the Phillips Collection. Yeah. uh, Smithsonian. They're closed now, but when they open up again, that is a great way to set the stage. Yeah. You're setting the table for a great feast when you go to Europe. It is in conjunction with your. It should be in conjunction with your trip. It's like, uh, um, you know, doing your homework. I call it, or um, yeah, pre. Uh, Billy, when I was time. when I was young, I wanted to be a runner. Yeah, so I used to run a lot, yeah. and I learned from running. Now you walk. Now I walk. <laughs> I don't run anymore, but I learned from running yeah. that you get out of something what you put into it. Yes. You can't fake it. So if you haven't done, in the running as a metaphor, if you yeah, haven't yeah, done right. your road work and yeah. the stretching and all the strength work and all the sprints, if you haven't done that on race day, you're going to uh, not get a trophy. So you have to really put something into it, and at the end of time, you'll get something great out of it. It's a timeless life lesson. Positively. Positively. You like that word. I love that word. You smile through the microphone. I love it. Let me, <laughs> let me uh, with your permission, 
uh, read a quote from Van Gogh, and we can maybe wrap in a, a couple minutes, maybe. It's um, it says this is a quote from Van Gogh from one of his memoirs. Your profession isn't what brings home your weekly paycheck. Your profession is what you're put on earth to do with such passion and intensity that it becomes spiritual in calling. Isn't that beautiful? beautiful. Now, now, he was a troubled man. Big time. But his self-expression was, uh, we still uh, revere it today, Absolutely. 140 years later. Absolutely. Uh, the end of it, with such passion, as you're talking about, and intensity, that it becomes spiritual and calling. You almost like transcend from earthly to another realm with um, how much um, love you pour into what you truly love. You know? No question. Um, there's a, just thinking off uh, the top of my head or off the cuff, there's a, uh, a cool Martin Luther King quote that says, if, the, the street sweeper quote, you remember that at all? I do not. My dad loved that quote. And it's like, no matter what you do, you gotta do it uh, the best you can. If you're a street sweeper, sweep sweep streets such that all the angels and hosts in heaven will would come down and swear by heaven that here lived like a great sweet street sweeper who did his job well. If you love what you do, and you do it well. Uh, you have all it's the desired positive effect, including on yourself. It gives yourself uh, a sense of purpose, a sense of joy, a sense of creativity. And that's what you and that's what you've been doing for forty plus years. And I said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, listeners out there, Guido smiles through the mic. I mean, just he's always smiling. Uh, and his and his word that he likes is positive is positively. <laughs> Do you think it's a beautiful day? Positively is beautiful day. <laughs> it's a great word. It's better than like yeah. You know, positively, it obviously carries that positive connotation. Yeah, positively. Positively. <laughs> All right, that's what I'm about to end on. There's no better note to end on than positively. Thank you, Guido, for Thanks, coming Billy. Out. It's special, and that's special, like, with your connection with my father uh, back then and Linda and everything. Oh, your it's, sister, uh, your mom, your brother. Your whole family. So, cheers. And if you want to go travel, talk to Guido, Delphia, Bethesda Travel. He will give you the trip of a lifetime. Thanks, Billy. We're just an email away. We also put out a newsletter with some videos, short, yeah. 90 seconds, just for fun, yeah. uh, explaining some of the places we go, things we do. I'm very blessed I get to go to Europe all the time, not now with COVID, right. but we're planning a trip in August, so we'll Wonderful. get back going again very soon. <laughs> and that's what you call work. <laughs> we call it work. <laughs> yeah, that could be a cool slogan. All righty. Thanks. Thanks, Billy. Thanks, Billy.